Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 174 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I'm going to try something here a little bit different. So before I get started and introduce today's guest, I want to read a review. I've got a pile of reviews on iTunes, on both the U.S. and Canadian iTunes. Silly how they divide it up. Can't we all just be one, be friends? Anyways, I wanted to read a review. Uh, So this review is titled The Perfect Dialogue by Bogair, Bogal, or sorry if I got that wrong, B-H-O-G-A-L-R. Here it is. What I love about this show, that it's more about having a conversation rather than an interview. Hearing designers that inspire you talk about their journey and being vulnerable is so refreshing. Also, it's so much fun to hear how guests respond to, are you ready for a quickie? Thank you so much, Bulgar, Bulgar. I really appreciate the review. Thank you so much. Keep listening. I'm going to keep bringing it here for you. So thank you. Now, you're here because you want to know who the guest is today. Well, today's guest is John Cutt. He's from High Road Design, and I know you know John. John's been around. He's got some great work out there. During this episode, we talk about his gig poster days. Remember gig poster? We talk about how his entrance to design was actually when he was a bar manager, so kind of a non-traditional entrance. We get into talking about the challenge of learning to work directly with clients rather than having you know somebody who can filter the feedback for you. John also tells us about the project he was a part of for the Symantec Icon. Now, it immediately grew way out of scope, lasted six to seven months, and then, well, you'll just have to listen to hear why. And John also tells us about the Canadian clothing company that he does work for and why he is so proud of it. I had such a great time chatting with John, and you're about to hear that too. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, John Cut. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? John, thank you so much for being on the Quickie Podcast today. How are you? I'm good, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. It is my pleasure. But I first need to know, are you ready for a quickie? I I, I am. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. So let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Okay. My name is uh, Jonathan Cutt. John, uh, otherwise known as the High Road Design. Uh, I'm a graphic designer and illustrator out of southwestern Ontario, outside of Toronto, in a small hamlet called Kitchener. Good and old Kitchener. Doing, yeah, Kitchener, Waterloo. And I've been doing this for about uh, 20-something years now. I'm 47 years old, and I'm in my creative 
I'm in my crux right now. I'm in the renaissance of my creative powers. <laughs> I love it. In the renaissance of your creative powers. It's, I am. Yeah, it's crazy. So the high road design, how long have you been running that for? Well, I've been doing freelance for a long time. I used mm-hmm. to be safety 47 on gigposters.com okay. way back in the Gig day. and way back. Way back, yeah, and uh, I did posters for years and years, and a lot of uh, design for musicians and bands, and then uh, I changed over to paper cut because Safety Forty Seven didn't. It was it was a timely thing. Everyone was something in a number. Hydro Seventy Four. There's there's a lot of people were doing stuff, and I'm like, I have to get on that. So I did that at that point, and then I changed it to paper cut because my last name is Cut, and then I thought that was too cutesy. So I switched it over to High Road Design. Nice. I love that paper cut because your last name's cut. That's it. It came to me and then it quickly left. Got it. So, yeah. So did you do the studio in-house design thing before kicking it out on your own? I was, uh, so I was a bar manager at a live music venue and they tapped me to do all the posters and that got me doing stuff for other people. So for a long time, I would still manage a nightclub and bring in acts like, uh, you know, uh, heavy trash with, uh, Matt Verderay and John Spencer, Jerry, the damager, we'd get, you know, mid-sized bands that were huge for me when I was younger and I'd get to do posters for them and then it it might lead to other things Uh, so I was doing that just on my own as I was you know I was finding my way through about 10 10 years ago I started at a a marketing company as a designer they took me on I didn't I'm I'm self-trained I went to school for illustration Mm -hmm. and uh, and I came to design just on on a whim and uh, yeah, and they took a chance on me, and I've been here for almost fifteen years now, I think. Oh, right on. Yeah. yeah. So, John, I'm going to go back even further than that, and I want to ask you about your childhood and what that was like. Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this career path? I did. Yeah, out of my family, I was the only artistic one, mm-hmm. and I think my parents were very, very supportive of me. Uh, a couple things. I am colorblind, red, green, colorblind. So colors can be a challenge for me. And as a child, it would come out in my art and uh, and oftentimes to mixed effects to my teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd want you to do color wheels and scientific color studies, and I could never really do them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I learned to use it to an advantage for me. You know, that's so interesting that you say that because just a, a couple of a few episodes ago, um, I interviewed, <coughs> sorry, pardon me there. I interviewed uh, Robert Almeida. Um, mm-hmm. He's a designer out of Miami, Florida. And he mm-hmm. threw that in right at the end of the episode um, in the Ask It Forward question portion that he was colorblind. So it was a really interesting conversation, you know, dabbling in this color related, you know, graphically, very visual career. Mm-hmm. And and being you know colorblind, obviously there's different senses of what colorblind is, of um, or different degrees of it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's it's fascinating. It's such an interesting thing to hear. Yeah, my grandfather was completely colorblind, so he could only see in shades of gray. Mm-hmm. I'm red green, so I still have color sense. It's just it can be a little mixed up. Every once in a while, I ask my wife, I'm like, "What color is this?" And she'll go, "It's brown." And I'm like, "Yeah, 
I wanted it to be red. <laughs> You're just hoping, hoping for hitting the right thing. Yeah. Uh, when I'm mixing, I, I can, you know, color numbers are easy to mix. But yeah, uh, my childhood was, uh, I, I loved drawing comics. I used to have Draw the Comics the Marvel Way by John Boshima. And I used to literally just sit and practice and practice and practice. Got it. So you were big into drawing and illustration then when you were younger. Definitely. definitely. So then was it that excitement about illustration that led you to pursue that as sort of your original career path? Yeah, I didn't really know much about design. I knew it was around. Like I was a big Hanna-Barbera fan and I always Mm. loved the Hanna-Barbera, the title treatments at the beginning. I always loved the typefaces and I've always been drawn to, to type, uh, focused works. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, even in movies, I think as a kid, you know, star Wars, obviously starting off with the, the bold receding type was a big thing for me. And, and, you know, I would get excited about things that, that uh, sparked, you know, a bit of more creativity to me outside of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was passive. It was very active when I'd watch, things and whatever i would want to do something with it and i would want to draw or make a fan film or something you know yeah so you pursued illustration in school and then when you came out of school did you jump into any jobs doing illustration or was that when you got into um you know being the bar manager and organizing that so i went to school very young i was 17 Mm -hmm. and i went to the sheridan college in oakville ontario was the place to be for illustration and for animation. It's still the place that Disney goes to. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, my, my professor was a very well-known Canadian illustrator. Uh, he was like the mid-century modern Canadian. He was like, he was the guy, Frank Neufeld, who did uh, Dennis Lee's Alligator Pie. So he was the, he was the head of the, the, the thing. And I was so excited to go there. And because I had drawn so much, the first year sucked the life out of me and sucked a lot of the creative juice out of me. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out. <laughs> so I, I, I stayed for a year. I still feel some regret about it, but I feel like it pushed me down a different path. Yeah. I wish I had stuck with it, but at the same time, I can't deny that the path that I've taken has led me down some interesting paths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I want to get into, John, what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Something that you saw and just stuck with you. The biggest for on the design front, I think it was when I came across uh, House Industries typefaces mm-hmm. packaging uh, to see how they were putting together this retro, uh, you know, thing, but putting a new spin on it and doing such a complete job in packaging these like street van. Uh, fonts in a mm. in a van shaped box, you know, but the graphics and everything that went along with it, you know, the art that was that was done with it was just it 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 made me want to to learn more and to do more. Mm-hmm. It was it was such a it was such a a moment when I, when I saw their pieces roll out and I wanted to see more. This was kind of pre-internet too, so you're you're kind of well, the internet was there, but it wasn't the beast that it is now, where mm-hmm. you can see everyone's work all at once. You literally had to had to search more. You'd see this website, and you'd see what they put out, but it was kind of an enigma and a mystery to who you know Andy Cruz or Ken Barber, who who they were, 
and 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 why they they started doing what they were doing. But I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you wanted to see that work for sure. No more oh, about it. It got me so excited. So that was a few years ago, and I'm curious now: who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to now and closely follow, and what about them do you like? <sighs> There's a lot. So my big thing is, is that I, I hit an epiphany with, with social media, where it was very. I, I used to find it very draining, mm-hmm. and uh, I used to take other people's art and use it to, to deflate myself. Mm-hmm. I would look at it and I go, oh, I love this, but why didn't I do this, or why can't I do this, or mm-hmm. whatever. And it would run across the whole gamut. So now I, I. I've changed that and I'm all about appreciating everything about what, what I'm seeing out there and, and getting really excited about when I see the young jerks, when I see their, their logo designs or to see their stuff on clothing, to see their rollout of, of camp, the camp stores that they're doing in, I think all around the States now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, I see those and I, I'm like, uh, those used to like kind of dig at me, but now I'm like I'm all in. So there's yeah, there's them. There's uh, geez, who else? Yeah, I have. There's a whole group. Redicus is is doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, you know, obviously Draplin is a huge one for for design as well. I'm I'm just I see so many. Uh, there's a lot of illustrators I'm following as well, like Glenn Barr, Gary Taxali out of Toronto. Uh, there's just, there's these people that are just constantly creating and doing such amazing work that I, I get, uh, I get super excited about seeing their stuff. Yeah, definitely. I love that how you said it that though, you know, you've sort of come to learn that appreciating everything is oh, yeah. way healthier than oh, you know, picking it apart and using it to sort of, um, you know, look at your work in a negative critical light. It seems like such a simple thing, but it really was. That was an epiphany mm-hmm. for me to to appreciate the 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 things out there. Obviously, you have you know you have brands like Target, and you have you know like you have these people, these brands that are doing stuff, and they're hiring the right designers, and they're mm-hmm. hiring the designers that are doing things that get you. You're like, oh my gosh, it's just it's everything they're doing is just aligned with something. But it's little guys too that are doing things. There's there's. Uh, this this guy Ramen Banks, I think his name is, out of Utah, that is doing stuff for Retro Supply right now. Mm-hmm. He's doing these illustrations, and he's just he's so good at this the mid century uh, style of illustration that I see his stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh! Every time I see it, I get I get super into it. Whereas before that used to that used to be like, oh, you know, I would really want to do that. I want to be the one that's that's doing these things, and it would turn a bitterness. But but seeing it and, and having it lift me up now is pretty awesome. It feels it feels pretty enlightened. Yeah, it's a good spot to be. It's a tough one to get to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the imposter syndrome and all that stuff, when that adds up, it's toxic. Absolutely. And at, at 47, I felt that that stuff was becoming very strong and becoming very, it was, it was overpowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, John, I want to ask you a little bit about print and packaging then. Um, I want to hear how you have utilized print and print design in your career and any projects or stories around that that you can share with us. I used to do so in being from Kitchener, Waterloo, we used to have Blackberry as our main yeah, client. Yeah, we, yeah. Used, 
Yeah. So BlackBerry was a local company that you know hit the world strong, and we used to do a lot of their packaging. And it was uh, you know they'd have really complex dye lines, and we'd be trying to do you know things that would tie into movies. It was it was it was quite a golden time. It's very different than where it is now. Uh, we used to do a lot of packaging. Probably about ninety percent of our business was was packaging and mm-hmm. print. Uh, for BlackBerry at that point, and it was just it was it was great because you every project was different and every project was new and you had to you had to uh, really think about what you were making and figure out how how to make it stand out from your 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 clients thing. So for them, I remember I did a, a the BlackBerry Pearl when that came out. Mm-hmm. That was I believe it was that their flip, first flip phone. It was it was a smaller phone anyway, yeah, and, yeah. and we uh, we did a, a fairy tale based one, and I got to do illustrative pattern behind it, and then we got to do like you know UV uh, a UV spot on it, and it was like it was such a fantastic feeling to mm-hmm. get that, and then once it was done, and you open it up and you see where the phone is sitting, and you see everything all at once, and it was just it was a thrill that I don't have when I'm doing an email. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. You can't hold an email in your hand. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you know, right now, uh, you know, I when I did posters, the ideal was to do screen print and to have that tactile, that tactile print or letterpress. Yep. You know, I always wanted to do the combination. When you see, is it pressure printing that they do limited artist scopes? They do like James Jean and uh, other you know big artists, but they do these small run prints. But mm-hmm. then they have letterpressed. They have a, a little insignia letter pressed in, and then they have something with a blind emboss, and then they have like, you know, it's like all things that's rolled into one print, and it's just it's stunning. It's so so beautiful to see it when you oh, when you can grab it with your hands on nice paper. Oh. I love it, and like letter press and screen print have made a huge resurgence in the last like six to eight years. Huge. I remember ten years ago when I was with my when my wife and I were getting married, uh, looking for a letterpress to do our wedding invitations, and I designed it all and I had an idea. We couldn't find anyone to letterpress them. There wasn't anyone around. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a it's a different game, you know. Definitely. The trouble now is finding good letterpress equipment. Is what I've heard. Yes, because it's all watered out. Everyone's trying to snap it up as quick as they can. Mm-hmm. Anthropology is also making furniture out of that garbage. So, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. Leave it to them to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. But they're just going to take it all. They're just going to take everything <laughs> that they can grab and then make a no more print dollar table. Yeah, no, no, that's it. <laughs> um. So, John, I we got to get into the tough stuff now. I'm sorry, but we gotta. So the next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out for the listeners. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? I think adjusting to working with clients was the hardest thing I had to do. When I was doing posters for the club and for musicians, there was genuinely, there was a lot of freedom. With it, mm-hmm. of course, I had stuff uh, passed aside. But working with actual corporate clients uh, was was a real eye opener for me, and it was very. It was I, I found it very depressing at the beginning to have a logo that you worked so hard on be turned down for you know what I considered a small thing. 
Um, and and that happened, you know, quite a bit at the beginning. Where you have you have clients that have very specific needs, and I didn't I didn't necessarily align with that. So that it, having clients that basically you have to listen to them very closely mm-hmm. and try to align your skills without letting your skills take over everything, I think was the hardest thing for me. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Cause you're all of a sudden you're now getting feedback that you otherwise never got or was filtered before oh, it got to you. Absolutely. Well, and I took it very hard. Like it was, it, it's, you have to have very thick skin as a designer mm-hmm. and, and you know, there a lot of designers throw out these memes. It's like, you know, whatever, when you get a logo as like a, you know, a word doc or something. But those things, when they happen, they can be, the, you know, it's it literally knocks you off your axis. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how am I supposed to do the best job that I can with these shackles on or with these limits? Mm-hmm. But but it's possible and you can really revel in them too. Like, you know, you just have to, you have to change your mindset a little bit. It took me, it took me a long time, man. It took me a very, very, very long time. It's kind of something that you can never really prepare yourself for. You just need to understand it's going to happen and it's going to be painful and you'll do fine. Of course. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) There's some doctor's exams that kind of align with that too. Right. It's just like, okay, this is just going to happen. You know, I'm, gotta take it <laughs> <laughs> um john i want to get a little bit more specific now i want you to tell us about a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result what was that like how did that feel can you take us to that story okay yes i can uh we were brought on to do uh some new product icons for semantic okay. uh, antivirus company uh, and it immediately blew out of scope. Like I was like, "Oh, we'll do these three D orbs that are going to have these dinner, different interactions that'll speak to, uh, you know, they'll speak to the security that's involved in it. You know, you have all these different these different products that need to have very specific needs. And I was thinking of these very complex vector illustrations that I would have to learn in Cinema 4D for. And then I would transfer into Illustrator. Mm-hmm. And it was this giant job. Like it, it was, I, I can't even express how much of my life it took up. And it was months. And we were working with uh, one of the, the managers down in California. Mm-hmm. And it just kept going. But we'd hit these things where he was like, mm, yeah, we're not getting we're not getting it on this where this one i i see it more this way and we'd we'd head down another path or whatever but meanwhile the suite of icons kept growing and growing and mm-hmm. i i so it was me and the creative director and we would work night day weekends constantly and because i was learning the software uh, i was trying to put everything i could into it mm-hmm. um, at the end of it they Ixnade the whole project and they went with something else. But this was probably six, seven months out of wow. my life. Yeah. And it, 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 it was such a, it was such a, a hard thing to go through. It was such a, it was such a, a devastating, I was so proud of what I had done. And when, you know, we would have different icons for when they were in the task bar to, you know, we had built this entire system out. I had a, a 27 page document that explained why, we did the things we did oh and each document 
was done and you know it was this it, we, we planned it all out and it was one of those things where we had to do it in order to sell them on it yeah. and it didn't get it didn't get bought oh, and that man. it 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 hurt and it was it was a very rough time but it's still one of my favorite projects to work with it was still one of my favorite things that i've worked on interesting yeah yeah even though it never got made it never got whatever i still love the work that we did for it mm -hmm. yeah. okay, that's a good one yeah um john what is something you're struggling with in your design career right now catching trying to keep up with everything that's going on in the industry now mm -hmm. it seems like you know in my company we've gone from 90 percent print to almost 10 or less percent print mm -hmm. and a lot of ui ux which isn't it's you know it's one of those things i look at it as common sense but i know that there's a deeper science behind it it's not it's just it's 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 kind of foreign to me as an illustrator who wants to do things visually to think of the back end to think of the user experience whatever mm -hmm. i do it preternaturally but it's not something i i can actively i i don't feel you know my brain can can be focused on that as a section so it's fitting in with that and that's why i started drawing again because uh, i was feeling uh i was feeling very out of place and very you know it's 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 very easy to slip out of the mainstream in in this industry where you you're you're doing stuff you're a value to the company whatever something changes and all of a sudden you have to learn new skills in order to maintain that efficacy. Right. Mm -hmm. like, and, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it, it's, it's dark sometimes because it's like, I want to, to provide value, but I, I don't know if I'm willing to go down the UI UX, uh, uh route yet, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's, that's a tough one for sure. It's very, it's a huge one. And I think in the industry, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that go on now where you're, you're having to wear so many hats as a designer that it's, it's, it's very hard to know which hat you should have in your collection now. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. You can go video, you can go 3d, you can go, you know, like there's, there's, there's so many different ways that you can spend your valuable brain power that, uh, you don't want to fill it with junk that's just going to take up the space that you need for something else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Goodness. Yep. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I found, you know, I found being more relaxed with things and being not, not being as like, it has to be perfect. It's, you know, I have to know this to the, I have to be the best at it mm -hmm. within my organization has really calmed things. I still want to do the best work that I can, but I realize now that I can't do everything and that there is a reason that there's specialties. I was just going to say, there's, you know, a reason or, you know, there is something to the saying or being an expert in something and being able to say that, nope, that's not for me. This is what I excel at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's to that too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, John, I'm going to turn this bus around. Um, now I want you to tell me about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of. You kind of blended one with the Symantec project that yes. um, you know, didn't yeah. come to life, but I'm curious to see if you had something else for this one. Absolutely. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a few. The problem is that I do have some non-disclosure stuff. There's some things that are coming up that are probably some of the biggest uh yes moments for me 
Awesome. But that won't be for until 2020. <laughs> uh, I've recently started working with Naked and Famous Denim out of Montreal. Very cool. And doing, uh, I, I did a one-off jacket for uh, for uh, the Mondo Denim uh, convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's Mondo. I forget what it was called actually. Uh, but it's in in uh, in Asia, and basically it's the biggest selvage denim market. Uh, festival and i did a jacket for them and it was it turned out awesome i was so happy to work on it uh and then there's a ghostbusters thing that they just posted today that i got to work on just doing uh art for a for a chain stitch jacket i always loved clothing so it's like to have to work for a canadian company that's so uh experimental Mm -hmm. and so open to to everything it was truly a treat that's so cool. Yeah. Okay, I have to look up that Ghostbusters thing. I, I want to look that up. It just came out today. I just saw they just have processes of it being chain-stitched, and it's it looks awesome. I got to use some of my favorite typefaces in it, which is awesome as well. <laughs> That's awesome. It makes me feel good, you know? I can hear the type, excitement type, coming from it. Type designers are, are amazing. They're amazing people. And when you see one that, that does consistently awesome work, I get excited to use their stuff in my, in my pieces. Awesome. That's so cool. Um, John, you've reached the point of the show for the Ask It Forward question. That's where I have a question for you for my last guest, and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. So my last guest was Josh Lewis. He's an illustrator and designer out of Colorado Springs, sort of specializes in, um, you know, children's books and story, uh, children's story illustration, a lot of great work. And he wanted to ask, what is the deeper sense of meaning in what you love doing? Sort of beyond the fun and cool, the why of what you love doing. All right. For me, this has been a lifesaver, being uh, starting illustrating and and drawing something every day has been, it's changed my complete mindset about uh, creativity and about uh, being older in this this industry and just about, you know, just about creating for yourself and and having joy with what you're doing and, and what you're putting out. Not thinking about whether it's going to be liked or whether it's going to be, you know, whatever. Trying to, to really just enjoy doing what you're doing. And that's it's that's been a deeper thing for me. That's been something I've never done. It's always been a little bit more shallow than that. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I'm I'm at this point now where it's just like I wish that I had this twenty years ago, mm-hmm. this mindset of everything. But I'm so happy that I have it now. Ah, going deep, John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is the question you would like to ask my next guest? All right. Mine is not going to be deep or, or anything like that, and mm-hmm. I hope that's okay. Absolutely. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say, have you ever not purchased something that you've really wanted because you- the design <laughs> was so horrible? Have you ever not purchased something you really wanted Due to the design being horrible. Of the packaging or whatever, mm. something about it just felt wrong about support, <laughs> supporting 
a poor choice in the design of of mm-hmm. something. Yeah, so it's like if you purchase something that you thought you really wanted, because if yes. you really wanted it, you'd get it despite. But if you thought yes. you really wanted it until you held the packaging in your hand or looked at the product hard copy and you went, ugh, nope. Yeah. There's chocolate bars I won't buy because I'm offended by their packaging. And I really like the chocolate bars that are within the package, but I can't get by it. And I think it's so weird. Okay. I don't know where this came from. <laughs> you, have, you have to tell me which one it is because I'm curious to see if it's one that I'm thinking of. Wonder Bar. It's what I love Wonder Bar so much, but there's something about the letter forms that just they don't they don't jive with me. And I wish they did. Same thing with Big Turk. Big Turk needs to be revitalized. There's a, that's a that's nice the one bar. I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Those two, those are my two favorite chocolate bars, and I find it sometimes I I won't buy them because Just on principle because of the design. Yes, I'll reach out for a Reese's peanut butter cup because their new rebrand, I really liked it mm-hmm. when they when they flooded the entire page with orange, and then they had their the brown and ochre on top. I was like, oh, love this. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't like awesome. the candy bar all that much. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate bars. The chocolate's too melty. It's the power of packaging, even whether you're in the industry or not. It's the power of packaging. That's it. That is it. Awesome. John, you've reached the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. I want to thank you so much for your time and being on the show today. It's been great chatting. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, and leave me a rating and a review. They make me smile. Thanks. See you later.